So we're in this series called Called, and uh, Brother Braylon last week did a great job of telling us that we're called together. So if you remember, God has called us to be like Him. Paul said, I, I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling because you've been called by Jesus. And, and then two weeks ago, we looked at you are called to salvation, you're called to sanctification, you're called to serve. Today, uh, last week it was called together with Pastor Braylon. Today it's called to care. And I, let me just start with a couple of verses. First verse is 1 Peter 2.21, and Peter is talking to the church, and he says, To this you were called because Christ suffered for you. You're called to do some things simply because God paid the price for your sins. Jesus left you an example that you should follow in his steps. Now, when Paul is, is thinking about the church at Philippi, he writes a letter to them and he says this in Philippians 2, verses 20 and 21. He says, I have no one else like Timothy. Timothy has gone around with him. He's, he's been like a mentor. Uh, Paul's been a mentor to Timothy. And so he writes to them. He says, I have no one like Timothy who truly, I have this, this highlighted in yellow. What's that word? Timothy cares for who in this sentence? Who does he care for? You, the church at Philippi. But he says, here's the problem. All the others care only for who? Themselves. I put it in red. They care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. See, this, I think, is the great sickness of the church in the United States, is that way too many people care for themselves and, and not for the things that matter to Jesus Christ. There's a preach it. There should be some ouches, right? We're not going, amen, yeah, that's right. No, it should be, oh, no, this is one of those messages. So we're called to care. That's on your listening guide. You're called to care. I was on staff with a guy one time that just, he just kept saying, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. Well, he's no longer in ministry because he didn't care. Would, would you say that in any, not in this church, because we've got the best of the best at New Life, right? <laughs> would, you, would you say that in some churches that you've heard of, that some of the Christians are interested only in their own lives? When that is true, would you agree that Christians have a care problem? Yes. See, in Matthew 5, 16, Jesus is talking. It's his, fa it's his famous Sermon on the Mount. And in verse 16, he says this. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Yesterday, we gave away clothing. And, and I just thank you for those who gave. Thank you those who, for those who came. We had 73 families, I think was what was the total, and I'll, I'll get you some pictures up next week. But I got here at 8 a.m. There were already about 10 people in line. We didn't open until 9. By the time it opened at 9, we had to snake back around here, and I had to put up the barriers to get people in the shade. We had to put up fans outside because folks were coming. And, and Nicole told me that, that a lot of the people had not been here before, and so they came in, and they're, just, they're getting bags of clothes. We just hand out bags, and if they fill up one trash bag, give them another, and they're just stuffing them in there. And somebody said, how much? And she said, it's free, and, and they were just like shocked. How, how can you do that? The reason we do that is we want others to see our good works and not say anything about New Life Community Church. Couldn't give a rip, but we want them to glorify our Father who's in heaven. And when we go to Mount Olive... And, and when we give them a $20,000 check last December, I couldn't care less. We, we filmed it for you guys. We hadn't put that anywhere else. 
I could not care less if anybody says, man, that New Life Community Church. What I want people to say is there's a God in Palestine and there's some people at New Life who evidently know him because there's, I, I just don't hear of churches giving away 20 grand. And when we went back this past summer and we raised another 20 grand because we were fixing the roof. And so I asked Brother Greg when he was back here, he comes in and he was so excited to be here. He's on their praise team and Brother Greg's just this awesome guy. He, he works at the church for free. Right, He does all of the, the, the custodial stuff, and he's the one that we contact when we're trying to get work projects down there. He walks in, we're talking, and, and I said, hey, I know y'all have had a bunch of rain. We haven't, but you have. Praise God for you. I said, I said how's the roof holding up? And he said, not a drop of rain where we made those repairs. And so I want people to, to hear that see those good works and say there must be a God. Why else would a church from East Texas drive down to Lake Charles, Louisiana, sleep on, well, we actually got to sleep in bunks. We thought we were going to sleep on air mattresses. God upgraded us this last year, and we got to sleep. I, I actually had a queen bed. Um, so we walked in, and the, and the praying Pelican guy goes, you should stay there. I said, I don't have any sheets for that. And he said, the church has them. I said, that's my bed. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to suffer for Jesus this week on a queen-size queen bed. And when we go down there and when we do stuff like that, people, people see that and they go, there must be a God. When, when, when a church from Louisiana hops on a bus, rents a bus, comes up here and they presented a check and that was so, totally a surprise to me. They gave us a check. We said, we're not coming empty handed. People see that and, and they don't talk about, man, that Braylon Harris. Now he brought the word, but, but if he didn't know God, his word means nothing. If he's not filled with the Holy Spirit, it means nothing. We want people to see what we're doing and glorify our Father in heaven. So when we go to Reagan Park on October 9th, I don't care if people ever come to our church. Now, if they ask for a church and they, they don't have a church home, we want to tell them about Christ. We want them to come to Christ. When we went to the campus last year uh, in Elkhart, we weren't trying to get church members. We're just trying to do works that show people there's a God. And would you say that in this time... More than ever, people need to know there's a God? Yes. Man, yeah, I don't know. I guess Pastor Braylon got y'all fired up. Y'all are talking today. That dude needs to come back more often because y'all are helping me out. I like it. When is the last time that someone looked at your life and they said there must be a God because nobody does the things you're doing unless they know a higher being? unless they know the capital G, God. If you can't think of a time, then maybe the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you today about getting off of your rear and serving the living God. Because, I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not ever going to say your jobs aren't important. Your jobs are what made it possible for us to raise $20,000 over and above our, our budget last summer and to do it again six months later. I mean, not last summer, last uh, December. Six months later, we raised another 20000 because you have jobs. But here's what I'm saying. If you don't use that job to glorify your Father in heaven, you are missing out. Because the Bible says very clearly that our, our actions will be judged. Even Christians will be judged. Now, we're not going to be judged at the great white throne of judgment. That's where God separates the lost people from the saved people. We, we don't even go to that. Safe people don't even go to the great white throne of judgment. But we will stand before God and we will give an account. Here's what scares me for every careless word. I got some careless words. You got some careless words. 
And it says that, that if, if our works, they're going, to be, they're going to be tested by fire. And everything that's made out of wood and stubble and hay is going to be burned up. And we will lose reward. We won't lose our salvation. We'll lose reward. But if, we, if our works are made out of precious stones, gold and silver, then, then they will remain. And your heavenly Father will say, you got it. Good job. And you'll get a reward. See, here's, here's the problem with when we say we care. If you say you're going to care, we're going to talk about the word compassion today. True compassion demands action. Oh, I care about you. <laughs> really? Because I couldn't tell by your actions. Now, this is going to be fun. Okay. In the New Testament, whenever we hear the word compassion, it's it, actually this word is mainly applied to Jesus Christ, which is so it's a good word, right? We're going to come across this Greek word called splagnizomai. Splagnizomai. You're going to learn how to say this today. You're going to Greek class today. Splagnizomai. So it's it's actually with a little bit of splagnizo, all right? So say splagnizo mai. Say splagnizomai. That's so fun to say. Let's say it again. Splagnizomai. You got it, Giselle. I knew you would help me out. Splagnizomai. Here's what it means. It's, it's more than saying you care. It's, here's the, what I love about the Greek language is it always has a, um, a word picture behind it. The Greek language, what this actually means is to feel something in your bowels. Now, now, I, I, would, I would say we're not going to have a Hallmark card where, where you say to your wife, I love you from my bowels, baby. Right? That's not going to be very effective. What we've done, cleaned it up a little bit, we've said, I love you from my heart, from the bottom of my heart. But, but in those days, it meant, it meant something, not gas, something moved so far. They thought the seed of emotion came from your belly, from, from your bowel area, from your intestines. I don't know. That's just weird. But they did. So to say, splagnizomai, it meant to feel something so deeply in your gut that you had to act, to be moved to action. That's pretty cool. So say it again, splagnizomai. All right, I'm going to test you on that next week. Because here's the problem, and we just talked about this. The churches in America have problems, have a problem with this. To say that you care and not act is to not care at all. Agree or disagree? Agree, thank you. It means caring enough that you do something about it. It's this inward aching for someone in need that moves us, drives us, compels us into action. And when you open up the Bible and you study the life of Jesus, every time, I want you to say every time. I want everybody to say every time. Every time. Every time Jesus felt splagnizomai, it moved him to action. And may we be the same. So we're going to look at just a couple of examples. So one time in Matthew 14, 14, when Jesus landed, so he's on the boat, he comes across the Sea of Galilee. When he landed, he saw a large crowd. He had compassion. What's that word? You can't really read that, can you? I didn't, I didn't think that through. It's green and I have a weird background. But it is splagnizomai. He had splagnizomai. And because he did, what did he do? This one you can see. What's that word? He did what? He healed them. He was moved to action. Because what I saw. The next one is uh, he encountered some blind men in Matthew 20, 34. And it says, moved with compassion. What's that word? Splagnizomai. You almost, you, you got to be careful not to spit on the person in front of you. Splagnizomai. 
when he was moved with splagnizomai, Jesus did what? He touched their eyes. And immediately they regained their sight and followed him. In Mark chapter 6, verse 34, when Jesus landed, again, he'd come across the Sea of Galilee and saw a large crowd. He had compassion. What's that word? Splagnizomai. Oh, the great job made on the fly. You took that off there, so now they can see the green word. Awesome. He had splagnizomai on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he did something. What did he do? He began teaching them many things. Every time Jesus felt compassion, he did something. He healed. He touched eyes. He taught people. Do you know what the Bible does not say whenever he saw people in need? It doesn't say this. When he saw, I think I put that on there, did I? When he saw the large crowd, he got back in the boat and paddled with all his might. See ya, wouldn't want to be ya. That's in, the, that's in a perverted translation. That's not in the actual Bible. But isn't that what we do? You see someone in need, is your first reaction to say, I should meet that need? Or is it to look the other way and step on it and drive on past? Here's a truth bomb for the day. The closer I get to Jesus, the more I care about the things he cares about. I left the eye out of there. so It's this positive snowball effect. I follow Jesus, I see what he sees, I care about what he cares about. But there's a negative snowball effect if you're not close to Jesus. The farther I get from Jesus, the less I care about what he cares about and the more I care about me. I was talking to somebody this week and and they said, you know, I'm not one of those people that believe you, you need to be in church every Sunday. And I said, well, here's the deal for me. I said, I I can't stand not to be in church on Sunday. I need to be with my heavenly father and my brothers and sisters in Christ because there's some some weeks I can't can't do this on my own. Right? I, I had kids in my youth group back in the day that would say, we can't wait for Wednesday. We're so glad we have a Wednesday meeting because that gets us through until Sunday because school's hard. Would, do you think that school's less hard for teenagers now than it was 20 years ago when I was a youth minister? No, it's worse. They said, we, we need to be in church. And so I was talking to this, this young lady, and, and I, said, I said, here's the deal. And y'all have heard me say this, but if you don't like my bride, you and I are not going to get along. Because I adore her. She's, she's better looking today than she was when I married her. And there's times I still look, in the, and she doesn't know this, but I'll look at her. Even when she's wearing, she doesn't like her reading glasses. I just think they're cute. My librarian. Sorry, I crossed the line. Um, easy, I know, I know. <laughs> Dude, I got all distracted about my librarian. Oh, yeah, got it. I'm back on, on, back on target. So uh, so I told her, I said, if you have a problem with my wife, you have a problem with me, and I can't hang out with you. And I said, these, I said, I'm saying this in church on Sunday. The farther you are from Jesus, the farther you are from the things he cares about, the more you care about yourself. I said, don't tell me that you love Jesus if you can't stand his bride, the church. And she said, you're right. One of the surest indications that you are moving away from Jesus Christ is your speech, especially when you use I. 
the letter I. I felt like this, and I, and I, and I. So, so this morning, actually early this morning, I was a little bit late getting here to church today because I had to go back and look on my email because I try not to get rid of any emails. I figure God's going to use it at some point. Somehow I got rid of this email. I don't know why, but I never have forgotten this, and Janie's going to know exactly when I say. So this was, this was about 20 years ago. Actually, it had to be 20 years ago is when we first started the church. And I got an email, and in the subject line, it said, dissatisfied. And actually, I don't think I have enough exclamation points there, right? It, I think it, I don't remember. I didn't count. And so I was really disappointed I couldn't find it this morning. And then, do you think that that, that was going to be a positive email? No, it was somebody telling me all the things I was doing wrong. And our church was doing wrong. And I'm like, sweet. And so when I was searching through this, I, I, I actually came upon another email that I kept, and I'd forgotten all about it. It's three or four years later, and it said, clearing the air. And I did count. There were only two exclamation points this time. And, and again, it was, it was all the things I was doing wrong as a pastor. And I was just like, man, that's awesome. Thank you so much for, for the critique. No, I was like, I forgot, Lord. And I actually got tickled as I was reading. And it was... Because here's the problem, all right? Here's the problem. Waylon actually helped me pick out this next picture. He was, he was helping me this morning with my sermon. And so, so tell me what this picture is. He thought that would be really funny. So, you know, that's why it's whatever that is. He said, Pop, Pop, choose that one. I said, okay. So what would you call this thing? Someone help me out. A high chair. Well, if you've been here any amount of time, we don't have one anymore. I would have one on stage with me right now. Around here, we call this the eye chair. And let's just pretend this is my eye chair. And, and I'm a church member, and I want the pastor, let's say the pastor's over here. I want the pastor to focus on me. I need deeper Bible study. I need more worship. I need I, 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 I. And you know, so, so you know what I say to people like that? What you need to do is obey what God's already told you to do. You need to get off of your butt and do something in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And newsflash, writing dissatisfied to your pastor, I don't think that came from the Holy Spirit. And if it didn't come from the Holy Spirit, there's only one other option. It came from the unholy spirit. And you better get right. Now, I'm not saying you can't criticize. The, the way you criticize matters. And if you come to me and you say, hey, I don't understand something. I'm like, oh, dude, I need to figure out how to help you understand what I was thinking. I'm not offended by that, ever. If someone says, why are we going to... To Lake Charles, you should probably go back and look at the sermon that I preached in Lake Charles. Because I tell you how the roundabout ways of God took me to Haiti. And 10 years later, I'm preaching at Lake Charles at Mount Olive Baptist Church. Because the roundabout ways of God prepared me to even... Praying Pelican didn't even know who I was. It's, it's a miracle of God that I'm the chairman of the board. I'm a nobody. But I love Jesus, and I love missions, and I love the, that, that Praying Pelican wants to build up the local church. 
And so I got there by following Jesus and seeing a need and, and feeling compassion. The reason I went to Haiti is because I said, we can't do nothing. The first time we got to Haiti, October of 2010, the, the earthquake was in, in January. We got there in 2010. There's still piles of rubble everywhere. There's no bulldozers in the stinking country. And they said there's still bodies under that building and under that building and under that building. And I remember driving on the bus. We, nobody could speak because we were so overwhelmed with the death and destruction. And I remember the Thursday night, so there's always this big meeting every night, but on Thursday night I said to our team, do we need to keep coming back? I'm looking, everybody said, we need to come back. Because how, how can you be a part of that and not feel splagnizomai? This eye chair is, it's all about me. And no offense, actually I don't even care if you get offended. If it's all about you, you need to leave. The sooner the better. Because ain't nobody got time for that. Right? I don't think I'm always right. But I will seek the Lord. And if you come to me and you say, hey, I got a problem with this, I guarantee you I'll go pray about it. I actually had a guy one time say, man, your, your, pre your preaching sucks. He said, the way you're preaching, it's not honoring God. He said, I want you to pray about it. So I did. Dude came back and he said, did you pray about it? And I said, yep, I'm not changing. He said, then I'm leaving him. <laughs> Salute. To say that you care and not act is to not care at all. One day Jesus encountered an expert in the law. Expert. Let's read about it. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Let me just stop right here. Have you ever noticed... That when you decide to test Jesus, you're the one that flunks the test. How many times you got to keep repeating that one? I'm going to test you again. You're going to lose again. All right. So this expert in the law comes to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law say? And so the dude, he was an expert. He actually quotes Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5 and Leviticus 19, 18. I had to look up the second part. I didn't know where it was from. And so I had to do a little Google search, and I'm like, wow, this dude knew what he's talking about. So the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he says, the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And so Jesus goes, that's it. Do those things, and you'll live. And the guy, the guy was an idiot. <laughs> And he goes, um, who's my neighbor? Now, let me just stop right let me, before we go to that verse. To love God is to passionately, passionately pursue the glory of God. To love your neighbor, listen, is to compassionately, righteously, and responsibly seek his or her well-being over your own. Let me say that again because I don't think you got it. Love God means to passionately pursue His glory. It's not about me. To love my neighbor is to compassionate, to splagnizomai, to righteously and responsibly. So, so I'm not going to throw $20,000 to a church that I don't think is doing anything for God. But you hang out with Pastor Braylon for any amount of time. Dude's doing stuff all the time to reach the community. And so I've heard, I've heard the, 
the comments. Why are we wasting money on a church in Louisiana when we got needs here? Do you remember what, what Jesus said when they said, why is this woman wasting the perfume? And you remember, if, if you know the whole story, the person who actually instigated it was Judas. And the only reason he did is because he was selfish. And he used to steal from the, and he thought we could sell that and we could have a whole lot of money in the, and that way nobody noticed how much I'm going to take out of it. And Jesus called him the son of perdition, which means the son of waste. He called something this woman did for Jesus a waste. And Jesus said, you are the son of perdition. You are the one who's wasting your life. So be very careful. I've said this before, but you need to be very careful. I'm not saying that we, we, we might make mistakes. We've made lots of them. But one of them was not taking $20,000 to Mount Olive Baptist Church so that they could have... When we went down there last summer, we're sleeping in the, in the upper area of what we would call in the Baptist church, most Baptist churches, education building. There's no drop ceiling. It's all been destroyed. They have new roofs. But, and so the, the air conditioner's running 24 hours a day, and it's hot. I mean, everybody was going and buying extra fans. We ran to Walmart and bought extra fans, and you know, you're just laying there dying. Air conditioner's going, but it's not cooling off. And I looked up and I thought, we should do something about this drop ceiling. And so when we went back in December, we put up about 80% of that. We just ran out of time or we would have finished the whole thing. Now it's fixed and they're using it. Splagnizomai, I see it and I act. But this expert in the law, and I, <laughs> it just hit me. There's a lot of deacons that are experts in the law. Luke 10, 29, but he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, just who's my neighbor? Would you define neighbor? Is it like my next door neighbor? Is it the guy that cuts my hair? That's not my guy. The person at the bank, just who is my neighbor? Who should I be loving? It's like he couldn't, he couldn't get his mind around. To whom should I be loving, Jesus? Because in his mind, you watch this, there were some people who didn't qualify. He'd already flunked the test right there. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. So I want you to get this. You know this story, but I want you to see this. So I've got some pictures. Here's the first picture. This is from um, Jerusalem to Jericho. And, and you just see that it's a winding road. And so here's another picture. This is this one. Uh, okay, I think I've got my... I forgot to pick it up. Yes, all right. So Jerusalem is up here. Now... <laughs> Anywhere they think anything happened with Jesus, they build something. So this is the, I don't know if you can read it, Good Samaritan Inn. It didn't exist back then, but we, you know, anyway. So you see this, it's, it's just a, a winding road. Now here, let me give you a better perspective. Here's um, different elevations. Go to the next one. Notice, okay, again, here's Jerusalem. Here's Jericho. Sea level. So when Jesus says he goes from Jerusalem down to Jericho, which direction was he going? Down. One more. I got one more picture. I just want you to get what's going on. Jerusalem is up here. Here's Jericho. That is the Dead Sea. Now, if you had a tricked out donkey, this is not the route you went because he'd be up on concrete blocks and, and stripped before you could say 911, much less dial it. This is not. And if you went by yourself... You're basically saying, attack me, attack me, attack me. 
So our Jewish guy in the story is just saying, attack me. So they did. Verse 30. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him what? Half dead. So this is just the way my mind works. Princess Bride. He's not all the way dead. He's only mostly dead. There's like two of you that got that reference. Gary always gets my movie references. He's only mostly dead. They take everything of value, clothes, wallet, shoes, his donkey, and they leave him what? Half dead. Mostly dead. But the good news is, church has just gotten out. And the pastor and the backup pastor have to walk this road to get home. The trumpets are blaring. Dun, dun, dun. He's saved. A priest, go ahead, next, Pastor Doug, (laughs) happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, okay, so I got to go back. When my kids were little, we went to... um, to, uh, uh, what is it, the mall up there, Grapevine Mills Mall. And, you know, we'd never been in one quite that big, and so we're walking around. My kids are little, so Caleb was probably 10, 8, Rachel was 8, and Hannah was 6, maybe. And so we're walking around, and we're just having a great time. Well, the boys, we got tired of walking around with the girls, so we go off somewhere. And Janie and, and Rachel and Hannah are walking together, and they go by a store that ha- I think it was Abercrombie and Fitch, and they have a dude on there that, you know, he's ripped abs. I cannot do this, but he's, he's got the ripped abs and his shirt's off. And Hannah goes, shield your eyes, shield your eyes, if only that were still the case. But anyway, shield your eyes. Okay. So Pastor Doug, after church, happened to be going down the same road when he saw the man, shield your eyes. Because it's Sunday and I need to take a nap. But that's okay. The backup pastor's coming. So to a Levite, the backup pastor, Casey, when he came to the place and saw him, he shielded his eyes. Now, okay. Casey, on days that you preach, you're worn out, right? By the time you finish preaching. Because we're studying and, you know, we do the slides back there and, and we're, you're just tired. Maybe church went until after 12 p.m. because Mount Olive's bus showed up an hour and 40 minutes late. So that means church starts late and that means lunch is late and that means I get home late. So they shield their eyes and they floor it and go right by. I've got other things to do more important than helping a half-dead guy. Come on. Your marriage is half-dead. It's time for my nap. Your job's been half-dead for, for years now. And i got to watch my favorite football team play this afternoon. You can come up with dozens of reasons why not, why now is not a good time to help. But every one of them comes from the pit of hell. The enemy of God will always provide an excuse. It's like, you know, it's like the, the, the guy who fans out all of the cards. I just happened to look at Caden when I said that. You know, he does the magic tricks. Pick a card, any card. Pick an excuse, any excuse. It's coming from hell. Because you don't want to have splagnizomai. The moment you see a need, you need to get ready for this battle in your mind. I'm late. I have my own issues. They are so needy. 
But to say you follow Jesus and not to act means you don't care at all. We're called to this compassion, this splagnizomai that means I can't do nothing. I have to do something. So let me tell you just three quick things about compassion. Number one, compassion interrupts. And if you're following along, if you're doing the listening guide, I want you to put above compassion, I want you to write G-O-D. God interrupts you. Would you agree with me that God interrupts your plans? <laughs> because how many times do you just wake up and say, I am feeling magnificently splagnitomai today. I am a need-meeting machine. I don't remember the last time I ever did that. I'm going to find someone to help today. Now, when I tell you that God interrupts, you also need to be paying attention that jerks also interrupt, and so you're going to need some discernment, right? Because every time somebody interrupts, that ain't God. There's a way to tell. But when's the last time that, that God interrupted your schedule? He's going to do it all the time. And if you can't think of a time that God interrupted your schedule, I'm guessing it's because you were disobedient last time. And you were disobedient the time before. And God's not going to waste his time on a, on a consistently disobedient person. He's going to go find somebody who will obey. In Jesus' story, there's a divine interruption because there's always a divine interruption. And look what the Samaritan does. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity. And that's not even the right thing. It's splagnizomai. He had compassion on him. So the NIV actually gets that wrong. Most of the translations are, are compassion, splagnizomai. If you watch The Chosen, how many of y'all watch The Chosen? You need to, you need to watch it. We're, I can't wait till season three comes out. Um, but if you, if you watch that, you'll see when Jesus goes to the well and he meets the Samaritan woman, that whole episode, and then the episodes that follow, you'll see just a little bit of the hatred between the Samaritans and the Jews. And basically, the Samaritans had messed up everything as far as the law was concerned, so they, they didn't marry Jews. They, they created their own temple to worship in. There was all of this stuff that they did that made them abhorrent to Jews. And so look at this map real quick. Um, this is, uh, you may not be able to see this. So here's Jerusalem, here's Galilee. So, so those were places where good Jews would go. But here's Samaria. This is where the, the emperor had sent people and they intermarried and they, they messed up religion. So there's idol worship. There's a little bit of true God worship. There's a whole lot of interracial marriages and stuff like that. And there's nothing wrong with racial marriages. What, was, what God said was you need to marry a God follower. And they were marrying non-God followers. That was the real problem. And so look at this. This, this little um, uh, dotted line here is the traditional route. No good Jew would dare step foot in Samaria. He would walk around. And, and I'm, I'm a shortcut guy. Dude, if, I told you this before. If there's, if there's, actually, I told this to Lake Charles at Mount Olive. If, if GPS, when I say go to Mount Olive, it gives me three options. I'm like, I'm only choosing the fastest option. I don't even give a rip where the other one goes. I want the shortcut. So I think this is stupid to go from Ephraim all the way around here to get to Nazareth. That's just dumb. But the, the Jews thought the Samaritans were the, the worst people on the planet. Wouldn't even step foot there. So Jesus, in his story, takes a hated enemy. And this hated enemy looks at a 
battered human being, doesn't care about his race. And he has splegnitzomai. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil on, uh, and wine, because that was what was medicinal at that time. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Jesus t- <laughs> chose a despised and rejected person to make his point. Race, ethnicity do not matter in God's kingdom. And compassion interrupted this dude. Because he didn't wake up and say, I'm going to look for a half-dead Jewish guy to have compassion on today. He he was doing business, but he was interrupted on the way. Compassion does that. Compassion, number two, costs. How much did the, the Samaritan leave with the innkeeper? How much? Two denarii? That's two days' wages. Let's just make it easy math. Let's say you make 100 bucks a day. You give, you give $200, and then you say, hey, whatever else you use, then, then I'm going to pay you when I get back. That's the and then some type of compassion, and I don't think churches are known for that. Are they? Even if it costs me, if it inconveniences me, Okay, let me ask a question. How many of you have ever bought someone's meal? And, and I mean, and, and, and it may be, how many of you bought somebody's meal you didn't know? You just said, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy. That's awesome. And, and I'm not, that is awesome. That's really cool. But a $20 to $30 meal is easy. Time is what's hard. You can make more money. You can't make more time. But the type of compassion that Jesus is calling New Life Community Church to be a part of, it's going to cost us financially. It's going to cost us with our time. It may cost us with sweat and tears, some blood. It's going to cost us. But here's why we do it. Not only did Jesus do it, but here's the third reason. Compassion changes lives. If you follow Jesus through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, he was interrupted time after time. And, and I just, I dare you to, to look through and see what he does when he's moved with compassion. He heals, he forgives, he spends time with those people in society that no one else would. He has time for little children. He has compassion for widows. And he actually shows splagnizomai to prostitutes and tax collectors. And, and in that society, tax collector was the lowest person in society. I'm not making this up. Dung collector was actually a more acceptable job than tax collector. And if you were a father, you would rather your daughter marry a dung collector than a tax collector. And Jesus had splagnizomai on those people. He showed compassion to people who were in need. He felt it so deeply he had to do anything. Is that what we do? You shield your eyes. I don't know why I thought of this, but this morning I I actually looked it up. Who said, that's all I can stand and I can't stand no more? Four of you are my age. (laughs) Paul said, I don't have anybody like Timothy. He cares about you. Wouldn't it be sad? 
If I had to call up Pastor Braylon and say, I don't have anybody that cares about you. We're too busy. When we went to Haiti, Pastor Jude, one of my favorite pastors on the planet. We don't even speak the same language. That dude's awesome. He's in Jacmel, Haiti. Pastor Jude, I don't have time. I don't have anyone who cares about you. And this is one of the things that I've told Praying Pelican. I said, the moment we stop caring about the, the local church is the moment I can't be involved. Can't do it. But as long as we stay focused and we're helping the local church and that's why we exist, I'm all in. Because last time I checked, my God is the same God that Braylon Harris preaches about. When you get close to Jesus, you're going to care about the things that matter to him. But when you get far from Jesus, you will not care about the things that matter to Jesus. And in fact, what, will, what others will know you for is that you care about you. So you listen to me today. We're going to be the type of church that feels splagnizomai. And if we suffer a little bit here so that someone else can hear about Christ in Lake Charles, Louisiana, so be it. You got a problem with that? There's an exit there. There's an exit there. There's an exit at the front of the building. Just go on somewhere else. Let's pray together. Would you move the people in this room and those who are watching online to be a people who show splagnizomai, compassion that compels us to act. And if we see something wrong, I pray you trouble our hearts until we do something about it. And God, if it costs us time and money and blood and sweat and tears, that's okay with us. We just want to be where Jesus is. Move us deeply so that we have to do something. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We have two baskets at the back. One is our joy basket. That's how we give here at New Life Online. You can go to nlccp.com and, and uh, you can sign up for that and do online giving. You can give anytime, anywhere. Um, but that is what enables us to do what we do. And aren't you glad the air conditioner's working today? The, so the switch got stuck. It, the, the heater was blowing two weeks ago. That's why I was frying up here. Waylon said, you know, he says, I have, he said, why do you have swimming pool dots all over your head? It's because I'm sweating up a storm. So praise God for that. That's how we, we, we pay for bills and we can keep using air conditioning. Um, we have a second basket at the back. It's our registration card basket. If you have prayer concerns and you would like me to pray for those, write that on the back. If it's private, just put private. I won't share that with anybody else. But also, if you're interested in joining our church, write 101 on the back, and, and we'll let you know. Uh, if you have kids, I just need to know so that we can make sure we have enough folks um, in child care to, to watch your kids. All right, stand up. Hug four people. Tell them you love them. You're dismissed.